0: Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, head over to uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is where we'll be and we're going to finish up chapter one today of the book of Ecclesiastes and we're excited to be here. Uh, A little bit of recap. We've uh, already seen uh, who was searching. That was Solomon and what he finds is uh, he was the king. Notice uh, I had to hide my box this week and bring it out afterwards. Uh, I'm just kidding, but thanks, Brett, for that. Uh, we've seen who was searching. That was Solomon, and Solomon was searching, and, and he, he will uh, kind of search for more, and he'll show us this picture, and we've seen uh, what he found, and what he essentially finds is emptiness apart from God. He, he's not happy, he's not sustained, nothing was truly filling under the sun. And so then he points out, last week we saw, and essentially, what did he profit? What was the profit of of all this life had to offer and what we find is is there was no payout and as he begins to open up some boxes of his life he'll find that that it was all all empty there was no fulfilling payout but we find that it was because of the perspective that he that he took right under the sun and in this under the sun approach uh, all seems vanity and all seems Uh, ...pointless, but we can switch where we're looking, right? And we can change our perspective, and if we're in Christ, we can allow Christ to live through us, and that will change everything. And so we're going to uh, continue in the book of Ecclesiastes and finish it off uh, the chapter 1 today... Uh, growing up, I, I lived over by the White River right off of 37, now 69. And uh, I, I lived near the river. And so we loved to go as, as a kid and as teenagers to go explore along the river, right? Before you uh, kind of just always were on your phone, you went outside and you kind of explored. And we did that. And you would find countless awesome things. We've pulled out entire cars, uh, uh, frames of cars before. We've pulled out refrigerators and bodies, no I'm just kidding, but we've pulled out tons and tons uh, of things through this, through the river just exploring and so one day we were going and we were exploring and we seen this old, real old, in my view, abandoned shed. Like, there's no houses around and it's kind of creepy and so cue the creepy music and so we do what any a young teenager would do, we went in. And so we go inside, and uh, the the windows are busted out. And so it's not necessarily breaking in uh, because it was already kind of open. And so we go in, and sure enough, like the floors are rotted out. This just this place is abandoned. There's there's rust everywhere. There's just a bunch of trash. And we find this old cabinet. And so we flip this old cabinet over. And we open it up, and there's this little box inside. It's like little steel box inside. I think it was steel, but, but we couldn't get it open. And, and we were trying everything. And I remember we looked at each other, and we're amazed, like, what could this be? What could be in this box? And so we can't get it open. We're throwing it up against everything. And so we take it back on our long journey back to the house. And as we're going back to open up this box, we start dreaming. Right, just like you would do, and we start dreaming, like, what could be inside of here, like, this could be gold, there could be riches, we could be famous, like, this could be the long lost like, national treasure type stuff, we start dreaming, and sure enough, as we start to dream, we start to argue, and we start to complain with one another, and my friends and I go from, like, excitement to, well, I found it, and so I get what's inside. Or, no, it's my house, I'm using my dad's tools, I get, no, I get to open it, no, I want to open it. And sure enough, we get back home, and we finally get the box open, and guess what was inside? Nothing. No, nah, it, it, was, it, was, it was completely empty inside. And the reality is, the only thing that that box gave us was a thrill and a fight, And a wasted day. And Ecclesiastes kind of paints the same picture, that when you live your life consumed for yourself, at the end of the day it may give you a thrill, it may give you some fights, but it will give you a wasted life at the end of the day apart from God. And Solomon will show us this picture. And after all we've seen in Solomon's life, if fulfillment could be found under the sun, Solomon would have found it. If you could live a fulfilled life in of yourself, Solomon would have been the guy that you model your life after. Because Solomon was a guy who had it all, yet Ecclesiastes will show us that he doesn't. And over the next few weeks, we've already looked at what Solomon has observed. And so now Solomon, at the end of chapter 1 and on to chapter 2, he, he begins to show us some of his experiences some of the things that, that he enjoyed, some of the things that he uh, had some experiments with. And what he's going to essentially tell us is the same result of chapter 1 will be in chapter 2. It doesn't add up. And so verse 12 through 18, Solomon is essentially going to look in earthly wisdom. And so he's going to unpack the experience that he, he looks in wisdom, earthly wisdom under the sun, and he had it all and he's going to show us what he finds. And so if you have a Bible Uh, Verse 12 of Ecclesiastes says this. It says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. And he says, this is burdensome. This is a burdensome task that God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the the wind. We'll end there uh, for the opening text, and let's pray, then we'll dive in uh, to what these texts have to say. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the ability to assemble. Thank you for the beautiful weather that you've given us the health that you've enabled us to be here. And Lord, I, I thank you for this text. I thank you for the life of Solomon, uh, that although he failed miserably, that we can learn from his mistakes. And Lord, I pray that we'll be uh, willing enough to submit to your will as we uh, strive to follow you, unlike Solomon did, he searched in everything else. Lord, I pray that we'll search uh, in you and we'll find uh, that we don't need to live independent, but we need to live dependent upon you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to take a moment to unpack uh, what Solomon begins to see through the experience of, of earthly wisdom. And the first thing that we see is this, Solomon's search in earthly wisdom. Verse 12-14 through 14 will show us what he searches for. And what's he find? He wants, he wants wisdom under the sun. And so he starts, says, I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And so we've already kind of introduced Solomon. Uh, each week we'll kind of hit uh, different things that Solomon engaged in, but he was internationally known. He was famous. He was loved. 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had the most money ever $2.2 trillion, more than anybody else. The Forbes top 10 list combined. He had it all. And here he is. And the Bible says that he was king in Jerusalem. Now this is specified because David was king both in Hebron and Israel, but Solomon was king over over, uh, in Jerusalem. He was king over uh, united Israel, and Israel was kind of a dominant force in this time. Israel was uh, top of the line during Solomon's reign, and so the Bible's indicating that Solomon was king of Israel and Jerusalem, meaning that he, he was unified. Israel was unified. Israel was strong behind him. But it also indicates that there's some age here because it says he was king in Israel over Jerusalem. So there's, there's indicating that he's a little bit older, he's a little bit wiser, and here's what he found. He said, I set my heart to seek and to search. I set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. Other translations will say it this way, that he gave his heart to it. That, he, that he, he, he had this crave, that this desire that he was going to dedicate his entire purpose to fulfilling this goal. He gives his heart to search out wisdom and to search out understanding. He wanted it. And this was a mindset that said, I want this and I want it now. And I'm going to do everything that I can do to attain that which I've set out to do and this is kind of Solomon's kind of experiencing some American culture here right we have that same model where if we have something in our head that we want to do we want it done right here right now we want it done our way and so Solomon's kind of set out he's got this he's got a purpose and he's going to see it through and so he tells us that he's going to do this but i want you to notice the two verbs that are indicated there that's to seek and to search Right? They're not identical, obviously. To seek means to look in devotion, to look in diligence. It means to demand and to require, to seek. To search means to survey, it means to explore. And Solomon's saying, I've done both under the sun, earthly wisdom, I've done both. I've, I've sought, uh, I've searched, and, and I've, I've, I've devoted to this. I've even demanded to this, but I've also explored this. Under the sun, I've done it all, and here's what I've found. Verse, uh, the rest of the passage will kind of show us what Solomon finds. But I want you to notice that uh, Solomon wanted wisdom, but his mindset was what gives me more here and now. What, what can fulfill me here, and what can afil- fulfill me now? Because remember the mindset in which he writes Ecclesiastes, from a mindset of somebody who doesn't live and act like God actively matters. And so he's searching for wisdom, which is always a good thing, but he... He has the wrong motives. And so what we find in this search was this search was sincere and this search was commendable. This isn't a bad thing that Solomon's searching for. Like, Solomon, you didn't search for God first. Like, yeah, you failed there, but wisdom is always commendable. This search is is, is a good thing. And so Solomon had the ability to just sit back and indulge in all his self pleasure. Like Solomon was the 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 biggest, baddest dude around, he had it all, the most money, he had the the most women, he had everything. He could have just sit back and said, hey, please me, Let, let my life be full of pleasure, but he actually, the Bible says he set his heart out to learn, he set his heart out to achieve, he set his heart out to grow in earthly wisdom, like props to Solomon, that's commendable. Like Solomon wants to grow, he wanted to better himself, and so wisdom in the Bible Sometimes we we depict Solomon as like, hey, you're a terrible person, but Solomon set out to do a good thing to learn. To, to grow himself, and he sets out to do a good thing, but he has the wrong motives, he has the wrong perspective, he wanted to be the greatest, he didn't want to learn more to reach more people, he wanted to learn more to be even greater, but wisdom's always viewed as a good thing, and so we're encouraged, there's a principle, to learn, to grow, to educate yourself, to better yourself, that's a, that's a good thing, but Sol- what Solomon essentially missed was Ecclesiastes simply points out that under the sun, we cannot shed light, on the vanity of life, like wisdom won't cut it alone. And so he searches for wisdom, which means this, uh, your memory will fail you. You probably already noticed that uh, in your life at some point, that memory fades, ability fades. I was just talking to somebody uh, this week and uh, talking about the old days, it was, um, and I was helping this, this lady change her um, uh, check her battery on her car, which I'm a terrible person to ask, but her son was in uh, California. He calls me. He says, hey, my mom is my old buddy. Is is stuck? Can you help her? I know you're in Greenwood, so I went over there. I didn't help her. I tried, but um, needless to say, we start talking. She's like, "What are you up to now?" And and I said, "Man, I just feel like." Sometimes I wasted so much time whenever I was younger, devoting to, uh, for me, it was a sport that I was mediocre at. And, like, I can't really use it anymore as much as I, in fact, yesterday I I lost in a game of pig to a 14-year-old. And it's like, what, like, the reality is God used that, and and I'm thankful for how God used that in my life, but it fades. It fades. And Solomon will show us that that what we have will fade away under the sun. But what Solomon wanted to learn was wisdom. And wisdom, sometimes we view it as a negative. Wisdom is a worthy pursuit, but under the sun it leaves him empty. And that's what he'll show us. Under the sun it leaves him short. Why? Because this was an earthly pursuit of wisdom. This is an earthly uh, desire for wisdom and he excludes the eternal. Because this wisdom was all in the mindset of, hey, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I live a healthier life, a happier life, and a more prosperous life here and now? And he missed the concept about the eternal. It was all about under the sun what can presently fill me. And this under the sun wisdom is a good thing, but this under the sun wisdom simply shows us how to live our meaningless lives better apart from God. It doesn't necessarily fill us. And what Solomon was missing was filling. He wanted to be full. But we know from last week that's only found in a new life in Jesus. That's only found in a new life in Christ. And so that's why he continues and that's why he says this is burdensome. This is burdensome. Uh, that God has given to the sons of men by which they be they may be exercised. What does that mean? This is a burden that God would allow this monotonous cycle to take place. This is a burden on people, and this language kind of echoes and recalls Genesis three, the the curse of man. How God uh, how God cursed mankind because man chose to sin, and man is now broken, and that. Kind of that language is kind of echoes that. This is a burden. God seems, to Solomon, it seems cruel of God. But what Solomon missed was this was supposed to point you back to God. This burden, this monotonous cycle that he felt and he was heavy in was supposed to point us back to, to a rich and powerful and mighty loving sustainer of this world. It was supposed to point you to God. And he missed it. And so he asked the question, God, Why? Why is this such a burden? God, I, I, I'm full, but I feel so empty. But he was missing the reality of it all. And just like last week, Solomon missed the cycles of creation, points to God, and the cycles of human labor, it points to God. He missed this too. And so he asked the question, why, but he missed the purpose. And God said, he says, why is it a burden? And God says, it doesn't have to be. Like, turn to me, trust me, the author and the finisher of, of our faith. And it was a burden on Solomon because Solomon wanted independence. And as he reaches towards the end of his life, he's realizing that he can't be independent anymore. And he needs dependence, and he doesn't know how to depend on God. Because the reality is God's not a dictator God. He's not willing that any should perish, but he still wants us to work our will as he's working his. And so it was a burden on Solomon because Solomon had the wrong perspective because this burden, there's essentially two ways to look at this burden. One, this burden uh, can cause you to view God as cruel. Like God, how could you? God, there's so much evil around us. How could a loving God? This is a burden. Or this burden can point you to Jesus. This burden can point you to the author and the finisher of, of our faith. This burden can point you to God or it can draw you away from him. Augustine once wrote, the creator made a God-shaped space in each one of us that can only be filled with himself. And the reality is there's a God-shaped space in our hearts that we strive and we do everything possible that we can to fill this space up with everything under the sun. With time, with career, with resources, even with family, with hobbies. And we do everything we can to fill this God-sized space in our hearts. But we miss the reality that the only way for true fulfillment in life is found with Christ filling you. It's found with dedicating your time and your space for Christ to fill you to live through, and then to live through you. And he missed it. But he, but he searched for a good thing, wisdom, but he had the wrong motives. The second thing I want you to see is through his experience, what did he find? He had the wisdom, but he found emptiness. He was wise, but he was empty. Because the verse continues in verse 14 and 15, and it says this, I've seen all the work. He says, I've seen it all. I've seen all the work that was done under the sun, and indeed, it's all vanity. And indeed, it's all a grasping for the wind. And what is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is lacking cannot be numbered. And it appears, here he is again, a very negative Solomon. It appears that his entire life brought on complete emptiness and frustration. And he says, hey, this is burdensome because his, he realizes that man is vain apart from God. In verse 18, he'll, he'll indicate that a little bit. And so this is, this is a burden. Why? Because he's left broken. He's left empty, and he says, there, there, there's, I've seen it all, but it's all vanity. This word vanity is the word habel, which means, which means a breath. It means a vapor. And Solomon says that, that that's our life when we live for things under the sun rather than for Christ. It's just a breath. It's just a, a vapor. There's no substance because we're, we're selfish. And when we're selfish, uh, that doesn't fill us. It may sustain us for a while, but it doesn't actually fill us. It's a breath. It's a vapor. And I love the word, the phrase, grasping for the wind. Right, this phrase, other translations may call it vexation of spirit. This grasping for the wind, it means to be feeding upon, to, to grasp after. It, it, can, uh, it, it illustrates this idea that you have something in your hand, but you're really just grabbing smoke. If you if you had kids, you have grandkids, and you get bubbles out and you blow the bubbles, and the wind kind of takes them away, and the kids will run after them and they'll try to grab them and poof, they're gone. Right? Sometimes they'll, they'll grab it for a little while and it'll be in their hand. And they'll try to close it and poof, it's gone. So it's, it's the same expression. It's a it's a grasping for the wind. You feel like you have something, but you have nothing of substance. I have a box I'm gonna illustrate. Uh, this principle of grasping for the wind so I'm gonna ask somebody to come up here with me who wants to come up rock paper scissors I was gonna call Daniel up but he's hiding in the back Uh, he didn't want to mess up his hair with the water but um, (laughs) David you want to help me yes I got a name right guys Um, so this this phrase grasping for the wind uh, I I didn't want to get a smoke machine in here new pastor and all but uh, what I essentially want to do is grasping for the wind. This is essentially the context that he's talking about. It's just, in a way, you're, you're just blowing smoke, right? And so I want to illustrate this principle, and this is what I want you to do. Just, just keep squeezing. Fingers get tired. Switch, switch, you know, trying to get me too wet. Because we know, we know Solomon, right? Solomon was the guy, go ahead, who, who appeared, to, appeared to have it all, right? He had everything that you can ever imagine, and the Bible says that he just indulges his life in things, and he has pleasures, and he has wisdom. Go a little higher. (laughs) I'm just trying to get him to work out, you know. And, and, he, and he has everything, and, and he, has, he has one wife, an Egyptian princess, and that's not enough, so he has another, then he has a hundred, and then he has two and three and four and five and six, and seven, hundred wives, 300 concubines, and then he builds buildings and, and resources, and he has all these things, and he's filling, 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 filling his life, catching, catching, catching. And at the end of his life, he, 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 he has it, right? And, and what appears, to be, to be a completely full life, that's a lot. He, he, he has a lot in his box on the outside. And we would even be like props to Solomon. Solomon is a guy that, that we could learn a thing or two from. And after all the effort to, to achieve and to gain and to do all that he could, the Bible says that, that he begins to, to open the box of his life. You can be seated. And, 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 what, and what he says is, is, is vanity. It was, I was, I was, I was blowing smoke the whole time. I, I was catching, I was catching smoke. I, I had, I have nothing of substance that I can pull out because I put nothing of substance in. And I lived a full life and all, and all the, all the pleasures, all the uh, resources, all the money, all the, uh, all the buildings, all the fame, all the women. And he gets to a point in his life where he, where he needs to be, dependent. And he's lived his life for such independence that he has nothing of value to pull out because he put nothing of value in. And it wasn't that everything he did was vain. It was that everything that he did was for himself. And everything that he did was in selfish motives of what can I achieve? Because earthly wisdom is not vain, but earthly wisdom apart from God is meaningless. And so he says, I have nothing here. And he had nothing of substance because he had no purpose whatsoever to give value to God and we find a sad reality that although he filled his life and he spends his life for everything under the sun as he opens it, it's empty. There's nothing there and Ecclesiastes actually points us to a heavy conclusion and a lot of times people read chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes and they'll shut the book and say nope, I don't want that negativity in my life because all appears to be worthless but remember the perspective It was in an earthly perspective. It was in a mindset of somebody who just wants what what they want, and they, they missed it. It was just grasping for the wind. And all his effort, all his money, all his time to find meaning and satisfaction in this life, and what would appear to be props to Solomon is showing us the brunt reality that it wasn't worth it. Apart from God, it just wasn't worth it. And the search for fulfillment under the sun, may, may, may live, uh, may, may feel like we're full, it may even be entertaining for others to see, but in reality, it, it's empty apart from God because only Christ can fill us. And that's not to say that that what you do in this life is just worthless. And so sell the house, sell the car, quit the job, give it to the poor, give it to the church because life just doesn't matter. No, I know the New Testament will phrase it this way and I think Ecclesiastes is showing us this principle, do all to the glory of God. It, it, it's about a mindset that says, hey, I wanna do everything in my life to the glory of God. And so have a career, yeah, to the glory of God. Have a hobby, yeah, for the glory of God. Start a family, sure, do, raise them for the glory of God. Have money, have wealth. Yeah, if God blesses you in that way, do it for the glory of God. Use it for God's glory. And what Solomon did, he used it for self-glory and he's ending up empty. But we don't have to because we can live for his glory. So we're not blowing smoke. Someone once said this, both the workaholic and the alcoholic are running away from reality and living on substitutes. But one day the bubble of illusion will burst. What's that mean? No matter if you're a workaholic or an alcoholic, it won't fill you apart from God. Why? Because the Bible goes on and says, "What's crooked cannot be made straight, and what is uh, what is lacking cannot be numbered." That word "crooked" is is used as a metaphor, oftentimes for sin and uh, for for sin and for moral brokenness and wisdom. A similar word that's used in Psalm. Uh, I think it's Psalm 12 verse 8. The Bible says this in Psalm 12:8. A man will be commended according to his wisdom; he'll be honored for his wisdom. But he who's of a perverse, or other translations would say a crooked, a crooked heart is despised. What's that mean? Wisdom is is always honored. Wisdom is always promoted, but a crookedness is despised. And it's the same kind of uh, fascinating context here because the reality is that which is crooked cannot be made straight. Have you ever seen a tree that's grown a little while and somebody moves it and plants it and they uh, have tree uh, ropes to support it and anchors for it? Why? Because it's true. That which is crooked cannot be made straight and those anchors are to help support the tree until the, the root system can establish itself properly so that the tree grows straight. Why? Because it's true. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. And the reality is Solomon's pointing us to the reality that you and I uh, are are doomed. We're bound for a crookedness that cannot be restored, and we can try, we can do what we will, we can try to, to fix some things, we can try to straighten some things, but we're destined for failure because that which is crooked cannot be made straight. This world is, is crooked, this world is cursed, and it cannot be made straight, and one day God will have to establish a new heaven and a new earth to, to, to fix all of life's problems. Why? Because it's true. And we can try, we can search in earthly wisdom, we can enjoy pleasures, we can search for, for riches and glory and honor, but we in ourselves cannot make things straight again. Jesus said it this way, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It means, that means you're flesh, you're, you're, you're doomed. But then he says that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Oh, there, there, there's... There's not the same birth there, there's a, there's a new birth, there's a new life, and we can put on new, meaning when, if you know Jesus, you don't just cleanse off the old, but you actually put on new. You actually get, get a new purpose, a new life. A, a you're a new creature, the Bible will say. And so if you're in Christ, take encouragement that, that the past doesn't have to hold you down. And what's crooked doesn't always have to be made straight because we have new life in Christ. And if you don't know Christ today, realize that you look around this world and you'll realize that it's doomed. You'll see a lot of people trying to uh, point it in right directions and they'll come up with a cycle and they'll fail and you'll be like, well, that person didn't work, so let's try this agenda and this agenda. But there'll become a day where you realize that this world's just doomed. Nothing man can do can make the world straight again because only Jesus can and only Jesus can and so Jesus came. And if you don't know Jesus today, Jesus came because he loved you and the Bible says that God loved you and he gave his only son. Only begotten son, Jesus. And so Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died on a cross. He was buried and he rose and he did it for you. Why? Because he knew what's crooked cannot be made straight and you're doomed. And so he provided new. He says, if you come unto me, you can have new life. You can be new creatures. And if you confess with your mouth and if you believe in your heart, you can be Saved. If you don't know him, I'd love to take a moment after the service or whenever to, to, to show you how you can. But Solomon's essentially saying, hey, what's crooked cannot be made straight, and I've tried to turn it in different directions, but there's just people I can't help. There's just problems I can't solve. And the reality is it wasn't Solomon's job because only God can do that. Psalm 40 will give us an illustration where God, Israel is struggling and God will come and provide some comfort for the people of Israel. And in verse 4 and 5 of Isaiah 40, the Bible says this. It says, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. For the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall seek together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken." Isaiah forty is a verse of comfort for the people of israel they're struggling, but the the Old Testament word for comfort isn't what we would think like warm and cuddly like come come comfort me no 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 that that's not it Comfort in the Old Testament is comfort to strengthen and to fortify and what God was essentially saying is Israel I want to comfort you I want to strengthen you I want to fortify you I want to make you stronger than ever before and Solomon God wanted to do the same thing for Solomon but but he missed it and the wisest person is searching in the wisdom of this world and he'll use calculations and smart measures to essentially say it can't be found under the sun and so he's heavy because things are just crooked and he can't fix them you imagine Solomon's the guy who could fix everything. Just a snap of his fingers. He had a cupbearer so when he was thirsty he didn't say, I am thirsty. Drink just went into his mouth. He had, he had it all. He, he, had, he had the most resources to be able to do what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted. And he's coming to a conclusion that he can't because he can't fix this problem. Because only God can. But he had a choice. Is he going to be comforted and strengthened by God? No, he chooses not. And we can kind of have that too, that, that heaviness of life, that we look out and we see crookedness and decay and disease and even the mindset, I hear this all the time, it's not, it's not how it used to be. This world isn't, isn't what it is when I grew up in. Why? Because that which is crooked cannot be made straight. You can't fix the problems of sin. Only Christ can. And so Christ came to provide new. And he says, hey, sh- I want to strengthen you. Trust me. Don't don't be worried about all the cycles of life. Don't be worried about this monotonous. Don't be worried about the chaos around you. Focus on me. Trust me. And Solomon searches in wisdom, but he finds emptiness. And the last thing that he finds is this. Solomon's uh, experience found frustration. Verse 16 through 18 says it this. I communed uh, with my heart, saying, look, I've attained greatness I've gained more wisdom than all those who are before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. I set my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and to no folly. And I perceive that this is also grasping for the wind. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases in knowledge also increases in sorrow. And so we find a, an indication of frustration because Solomon, it appears that Solomon is starting to use some of, some of his arrogance is starting to come out. Someone who's attained such wisdom uh, seems to be pretty conceited and arrogant in this cycle. And that leads him to a place of frustration. Like, like this mindset that says, this is what it gets me. This is what earthly wisdom has has, has brought me, sorrow, frustration, grief. This This is it. This is why I've worked so hard. This is why I've been blessed just to reach this point, to not be fulfilled, actually to be more heavy. Paul will put it this way, knowledge puffs up. Meaning what? Knowledge will appear to make one wiser than they are, and in the end, they're not. And so we live in a world that we see this time and time again. Because the more educated we are, uh, in one way the the dumber we look. Because now we we live in a culture that will say, that will dictate everything and they'll judge God based off of their knowledge, they'll judge God based off of their experience. Someone once said education is based on experiences and experiences will fail you. That's not to say education is bad, but it's to say earthly wisdom. Uh, It is a good thing, so educate yourself, but earthly wisdom should not dictate how you view God's word. God's word should dictate how you view everything in life. And so if my desires and my belief are contrary to God's word, uh, we're to submit to his word. And Solomon was left frustrated because he failed to submit to God's word because he says, I've communed in my heart. I've looked outward and searched outward more than I've looked upward. He says, I've, I've attained greatness. I'm the greatest there ever was. He says, I've gained more wisdom than all those who are before me. Check out Israel's timeline. Yep, I'm the greatest. I've, I've gained more. He says, I, I, my heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. Like God has blessed me with this. And he says, I have set my heart to know it. I have a desire for this stuff. I want to know more. I want to grow. And so far, that, that, that portion, that seems like an honorable thing. Like, Solomon, get rid of the pride there. But, but, Solomon, that's a good thing. But then it continues. Because he says, I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. This idea of moral evil and wickedness, corruption. And it's interesting that earthly wisdom And foolishness under the sun aren't very far apart. Sure, wisdom's a blessing and wisdom's honorable, but uh, foolishness is not. But in the end, under the sun, they equal the same place because it's vanity. He'll say it's grasping for the wind under the sun because Christ was not the focus. And we find that Solomon will live his life for what appears to be a good thing, wisdom, earthly wisdom, and a bad thing, foolishness. But it leaves him in the same place because his mindset was fixed on himself. And, and he was wiser than anyone, but we'll see in a couple of weeks that he partied harder than anyone and left him in the same place, filling his box and just grasping for the wind. Just trying to get something out of life, but being left empty. And it seems like Solomon does things that we do too from time to time. We take our box of life and we fill it with what we can. We try careers, that one doesn't work, so we switch. We try relationships, that one doesn't work, and so we dip. We, we, try, we try everything under the sun. We'll go through a rebellion stage and try that too. And we're just trying to get and attain and attain, but in the end it will leave us empty, searching for more. And that's what he shows us. But it's because Solomon was searching for everything apart from God's special revelation to man. Because he missed the creation, pointed him to him. He missed human labor, pointed it to him. And now he's missing the, this cycle too—the cycle of human nature should, or human wisdom should point us right back to God, and he missed it. And let me just say this as a side note, right before we close: this is why it's crucial for us as people to have an individual time with God. That's why it's important. This is why it's important for you to dive into your word. don't Don't be fed here. Be fed here, but dive in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is why we promote groups so heavily, so you can get involved and join a group and study God's word and be accountable to God's word and to search the scriptures together. This is why uh, we we push those things because this in, is important. Because if not, this life's going to leave us frustrated unless God's word is the foundation to it all. Unless God's word is helping guide and direct the the way in which you live this is why it matters because he says I'm frustrated why was he frustrated well the verse concludes and he says this for in much wisdom is much grief and he who increases in knowledge also increases in sorrow why we see the frustration that that Solomon is left with with this earthly wisdom Under the sun, because we see the more he learned, the more he realized he didn't know. The more he knew, he realized he didn't have. And the more he realized, uh, the more he opened, he realized he was actually empty all along. And just like the box in the beginning, left my friends with a thrill, a fight, and a wasted time. Solomon says, So is our life if it's not centered in Jesus Christ in me and Christ through me. And essentially what Solomon finds is that joy and satisfaction don't actually meet what he expected apart from God. That true joy is only found in a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because in much wisdom is much grief. Because the more you know, the heavier it is. And the more you have, the more you realize you don't. There's a concept that oftentimes we even as American Christians struggle with. And it's the, and it's the phrase... If only blank, then life would be better, right? If it was only the old days, then life would be better. If, if, if this would have went better. If I, would have, if I would have had a better job, if I would have picked a different career path, if disease wouldn't hit my home, if I would have had a different pastor, if I would have married a different person, if I, if my kids wouldn't have been... We say, if blank, then life would be better. And I love Ecclesiastes because Ecclesiastes abolishes that concept. Because here's a guy who has it all. And he's showing you that nothing makes it better apart from God. And so if you want a better life, here's how you find it. Do all to the glory of God. That's how you find a better life. And Ecclesiastes seems heavy. But for me, it's encouraging. Because chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes points me that uh, we should have faith. And we should have contentment in God. That that if we want to have a life, it needs to be a life of faith and a life that says, God, I'm content in you. Let me ask, what are you putting in your box in 2022? We're 134 days in. If you didn't know, now you do. 134 days in. And if you were to open the box of your life in 134 days, what would be inside? What would be inside your box? Would it be a lot of grasping for the wind? Or would it be a lot of God working through you to influence people, to come to to know him? Would it be a lot of growing in him this year? What would be in your box? Chapter 1 seems heavy, but remember, it's from an earthly perspective. We don't have to have that. Because we have a God who's above the sun. We have a God who created and sustains the Son. And I don't know about you, but chapter 1 doesn't frustrate me. It gives me hope because I know the one who gives this joy. And maybe you do too. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, was searching for the joy in which I possess God. I have this possession, Jesus, and I have a relationship with him. And that's what the wisest man who ever lived was searching for. And I have that. That gives me confidence. That gives me comfort. But it also forces me to ask a question. Who do I know that doesn't have that joy? Who do I know that is just like the wisest man who ever lived is searching for fulfillment and joy and satisfaction apart from God. And we have the answer and the question lies, what do we do with it? And it makes me wonder if, if each person in this room, I don't know how many people are in this room, would focus on that one in our life that's searching. And we can see, we can see it on Facebook and Instagram. We can, we can see it how they live, that they're just searching for, for fulfillment and, and, and more in life. And if we just focused on that one, how it would change our church, how it would change our culture, how it would change our community, and how it would impact the gospel. Because Solomon missed it. But it makes me wonder who missed telling Solomon. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that wisdom's a good thing. I thank you that wisdom can be used as a blessing and we can use wisdom for the glory of God. We can work hard for the glory of God. We can uh, learn and educate ourselves for the glory of God. But Lord, also without you, it does appear like life's just passing us by. Like we're just grasping for air. Lord, I pray that uh, we'll be a church that will strive to learn, strive to know to give you glory and to be the best workforce there is for your glory. Lord, I pray that we'll be a people who will strive to not catch wind, but be filled with you. And Lord, I pray that we'll strive to be a people that will find lasting joy and that lasting joy is only found in a life lived for you. Lord, may you give us encouragement and and drive to go about this week and maybe just find that one who needs that joy that we have. And Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.